Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over Luke chapter 18. We've been in our journey with Jesus, uh, and now we're coming to a place where uh, I think we uh, all have had those experiences in life where uh, we wish we would have known something beforehand, right? Amen? Anybody else have that? Where you, you come to something, you say, man, I wish I would have known this, or I wish I would have known that. Uh, I'll tell you a story that uh, is kind of embarrassing for me, um, and uh, it'll make you feel better about yourself probably, but... Um, when I was in high school, I was a senior, I believe, and I was playing baseball. It was baseball season, and I had forgot my, I think, my baseball pants at home. And so uh, I was at the school and had to run home real quick to get my baseball pants uh, so that I could get back up there and get ready and do the pregame and all that kind of stuff. And so I was a little bit in a little bit of a hurry, and I was driving down Old Decatur, we lived over here in, in what's considered Park West and Saginaw, and I was driving down Old Decatur, and I was in a hurry, and I turned on the, uh, the street that goes to the street that we lived on, and I was going a little too fast for the speed limit in the, the residential zone. Residential zone is 20 miles an hour. It was back then, still is now, and so I was going a little bit faster than 20 miles an hour uh, down that road, I think about 17 miles an hour faster. It didn't seem that fast at the time because I was just trying to get my pants real quick and get back up to the, the school. And I was driving, driving, driving down this road, not very far, not very long street. But at the end of the street, I saw a bunch of kids playing around a car. And I uh, didn't think anything about it until I came up to the stop sign and saw the notorious motorcycle cop in Saginaw for many, many years hiding behind the car that was at the end of the street. And that's why all the kids were out there playing. They were talking to the motorcycle cop and looking at his motorcycle, and he was conveniently hid right behind that car, having his gun pointed up that street. And uh, as soon as I came to that stop sign, you know, that feeling you get when the cop, you know, like just sunk, sick to my stomach. And I'm thinking, I'm already in a hurry. I was supposed to just be getting my baseball pants. I knew I was going too fast, didn't realize how fast I was going. And uh, so I come to the stop sign and he just kind of brushes the kids away, not even looking at me, but I know what's about to happen. And uh, so I just slowly turn and start to go towards our, our house and he just comes out right behind me and he comes up and asks me that question. You in a hurry to go somewhere? And I said, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> I'm in a hurry to get my baseball pants to get back up to the game, you know. Boswell, I mean, we're, you know, I was trying to bring everything into it. Nothing helped. Nothing mattered. And some of you, probably most of you who've been in Saginaw for a while have either had an experience with him. Amen. Uh, amen. That's right. And so he's not very forgiving. I mean, that was his job. He's going to write tickets. And so anyways, I wish I would have known beforehand that he was there. I wouldn't have been going 35 or 37 or whatever it was down that, that street. Uh, and then we've, I think, all probably had those experiences where we were told something, and, but we didn't listen. Whether it's by our parents, whether it was by a friend, whether it was by a teacher, a pastor, 
uh, someone else who cared enough to inform us or to warn us of something that we needed to avoid, watch out for, listen to, whatever the case may be. I think we've all had that. And I, I've shared this story before in here, and I don't know why it always comes to my mind when I think about this, but it just does. Um, but we were kids, and we lived in Roanoke, and there was, we lived out in the country, and there were some friends of ours that lived, what we said, up the hill. And it wasn't a real big hill, but it was, it was a little bit of a hill. And on that hill, typically during this time of year, summertime, uh, sunflowers grew. And so they would grow really tall, and it was fun as a kid to go through there, unless there were wasps in there. And I didn't always know that that was the case. I was little, and, you know, and so we, one time me and Sean were up there playing at their house, and then it was time to come home. And so we were coming home, and he was starting to go outside of the field. And I was thinking, man, this is kind of like a maze. I mean, it's, it's an adventure through the sunflower field. And like an older brother, I don't know if he much cared. I, I don't know if he really cared about my welfare or he cared more about him getting in trouble if something happened to me. Um, I'm sure he cared a little bit. But um, he, he started to go around the sunflower field, and, and I was about to dart off in there. And he said, no, 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 don't go through there. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go through here. And he said, no, don't go through there because there's wasps in there. You could get stung, and I'm going to get in trouble. Don't go through there. And I was like, and in my mind, I, here I was. I was the kid that was super boy, and, I, you know, I running and racing and, and all these things. Like that. I'm not going to get stung by a bee. I'm just going to run straight through there. Those wasps won't have a chance to even sting me. And uh, I was wrong. And uh, so... I disregarded his warning, disregarded everything he told me, ran right through the middle of that, and got hit, I think, a few times by the wasp, and got pretty good stung. But I tell those stories because we come to a place in our study where we're going to see both of those examples, uh, times that uh, the apostles have been told things, warned things that they disregarded, and then things that they wish they probably would have known uh, beforehand. So let's pray, and we'll get into our study. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for, again, what we've experienced so far, being able to worship you through song, being able to worship you through giving, um, just the fellowship that we've already experienced, the time in Sunday school, and it's all these things, God, we're thankful for, and uh, we're so thankful for our men and women uh, that are first responders, and we lift them up to you and ask you to continue uh, to bless them and protect them, be with their families each time that they go out to serve. Uh, just the, the thought of the risk at hand uh, in their jobs. And so I just pray that uh, you'd have your hand on each of the families, each of our first responders, not only in our church, uh, but in this community and um, in our nation. Lord, we ask that you just bless now in, in this message. Use me as a vessel. I pray you're glorified through all of this and that your purposes are accomplished. Lord, help us now engage your, your word. I pray you would uh, just speak and we would receive it. We'll praise you for all you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 18, we'll pick up our study in verse 31. It says this, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated, or treated uh, spitefully and spit upon. They shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And listen to verse 34. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither 
knew they the things which were spoken. Point number one in your notes is this. We must be sensitive to hear and receive the word of God. We must be sensitive to hear and receive the word of God. Oftentimes we hear the word of God, but we don't hear the word of God. Uh, just like I heard Sean say, hey, don't run through there because you're going to get stung by a wasp. There's wasp all through there. Uh, we hear the warnings, we hear the word of God, but we don't actually hear them, or we could say heed them. And then there's times that I think that we hear the word of God, yet we don't receive it, or we don't take it to ourselves and apply it in our lives uh, the way that God intends for us to do so. Again, the, the, apostles, the apostles were walking with the incarnate word. They were there with God in the flesh. They, he was speaking to them directly. Yet the Bible says none of them understood him. None of them understood this saying. He's, I don't know how uh, much more plain he could have been, but they didn't understand. He said, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to be delivered to the Gentiles. I'm going to be treated bad. I'm going to be spit upon. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And the Bible says that they didn't even understand what he was saying. It was hid from them. They didn't receive what the word of God was saying to them. See, they were still thinking the kingdom of God was going to fully come the way that they had it, imagined it in their minds for it to fully come. They had these notions. They had these ideas. They had these, these thoughts, as well as the Pharisees. We've already seen that. They had the, these, their own ideas of what the kingdom of God was going to look like. But I want to say this morning, and if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. I don't think it's in your notes. Uh, but hearing and receiving the word of God takes a willingness of the heart, first of all. It takes a willingness of the heart. The second thing it takes is the yielding of the will. And the third thing encompass all of it is a surrender of all. So in order for us to hear and receive the word of God the way that God wants us to hear and receive it, we first of all got to say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to hear it. I'm willing to receive it. The second thing is we've got to submit our will. Say, I really want this to happen in my life. I really want this to happen in the circumstances I'm dealing with. I really want these things to happen. And God, we open his word, whether it's personally or we come to church and we hear a sermon. And, and we say, God, I want you to work in my life. God, I want you to do something. God, I need you in my life. And the word of God comes to us, yet we're not willing to submit our will to him. We're not willing to yield our will to him. We're not willing in our heart to receive the word of God so that he can do what, he can, what only he can do. Uh, Thomas Watson said this, it's the, the quote's there in your notes, be, only, uh, be not only attentive in hearing, but retentive after hearing. To hear and receive God's word, we've got to make an effort to do so. Uh, there's no question about it, there are going to be some people that get up from this service today, walk out these doors, and won't remember a thing that was preached, won't remember a thing that was said, won't remember one scripture, won't remember one point, won't remember what God wants, wants us to all get from this, this sermon. And for various reasons. Maybe it's the distractions that are going on in your mind. Maybe it's the struggles that you're dealing with in your life and, and you're just consumed. But that's what I'm trying to say this morning is to receive the word of God. We've got to be willing. We've got to be submitted. We've got to be yielded. And we've got to make the effort to hear and receive the word of God. We may be robbing God of miracles that he wants to do in our life because we're not of a ready heart. To receive the word of God. So to do these things, we've got to set aside what the apostles didn't do. We've got to set aside preconceived notions. We've got to set aside a personal agenda. We've got to set aside even human wisdom. You know, sometimes we, we deal with things in life and uh, we're, we're living our lives and, and things come along and kind of knock us off the path. And, 
and they said, well, I don't even understand why this is going on. I think it should happen like this. God should work like this. God, God should do these things. And we start operating in our human wisdom. When if we would turn to the Lord and, and have that ready heart, yielded will, God may speak something into our life, even in the midst of chaos or, or, chaos or, or, or um, uh, difficult circumstances, and, and speak to us and minister to us and help us in a way that nothing else or no one else can. And so that's why it's so important, important that our hearts, that our minds are in the right place. Again, the disciples missed it because they had those preconceived notions. The disciples missed what Jesus, the incarnate word, just spoke to them because they already had their mindset. They already had an agenda for themselves. They were operating in human wisdom. Even though they had seen the miracles, they had heard him, they were missing it because their mind was already set. And it was a tragic uh, situation for them because of that. And I want to re remind you, they've already missed the boat several times uh, in similar circumstances. Peter just said, hey, we, we've left all to follow you. Christ said, yeah, and you're going to be rewarded for that. But they had missed the boat several times. They were still human. If you remember back in chapter 9, they had an argument on who would be the greatest in God's kingdom. Remember that? They, they, they argued among themselves right after Jesus did an amazing miracle, right after they bring this person to, to Jesus for him to heal, and they say, hey, we, we couldn't do it. Your disciples couldn't, couldn't heal him. And so they go from seeing Jesus do something, they see this amazing miracle, God working in an amazing way, to arguing who's going to be the greatest in his kingdom, this great miracle worker, this, this amazing uh, teacher. Verse 40 of chapter 9 says, and, they besought the, and I besought thy disciples to cast them out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you and allow you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet coming, the devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God, but while they wondered every one at all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, listen to what Jesus said, let these sayings sink down in your ears. Let, let these things sink down into your ears. Hear them and receive them. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. He's telling them again. But they understood not this saying. And it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask, of, uh, ask him of that saying. Here it is, verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest? Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child, set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever received this child in my name receiveth me. Whosoever received me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. So again, the disciples had this idea. They had these, these notions. They had agendas. They had their will, what they wanted to happen. And Jesus was speaking to them truth in reality. All along the way, yet they weren't understanding it, they weren't receiving it, they weren't accepting it, they weren't yielded to it. And it's made evidence by their arguments about themselves. I just want to stop and, and, and give us a little, uh, maybe something to think about. You know, sometimes God's speaking into our life, whether it's, again, through a message or, or a devotion. 
he, he's, he's given us his word, and it's there for us to hear and receive and let, the, let them sink into our ears and, and for us to understand and for God to work in our life and help us and even carry us through maybe something that we're struggling with. But because we've got our mind made up and we've got our heart set, we've got a notion or we've got something that re we really want to happen, we miss what God may be trying to say or do in our life through that. You say, I re really need God to do this. But maybe God had already said something in your personal devotion. Or maybe God's already said something in a message that was to help you. Maybe just be patient and wait on God. And maybe just trust that it may not happen exactly the way you need it or you want it to happen. And Jesus had already told them once before there in chapter 9, this is what's going to happen when we go. The condition of their heart, they couldn't receive and understand what he was saying. And again, I think this is still the case today. In your notes, the condition of our heart determines our cooperation with God's word. If your heart's not in the right place, if your heart's not open and willing, if it's not yielded, if it's not uh, ready to receive the Word of God, if, if, if you're uh, closed off or, or what have you, there's not going to be a lot of cooperation with the Word of God. Condition of our heart determines our hearing and receiving or our hearing and refusing. Maybe you've not ever experienced that before. Maybe you don't realize you've experienced that before. But I know in, in my life that's happened. And it's happened even in, in church services before. To where there were things going on in my mind, things going on in my life that I really didn't soak up and receive everything. And think about this. Think about if we allow that to happen. What if it's that one, one scripture? What if it's that one moment that the Holy Spirit wanted to work in our life Maybe we were, we were overwhelmed. Maybe our mind and our heart, our life was overwhelmed with something. And we were allowing those things to captivate us or to, to rob us. And in that moment that we got carried away was the moment that the Holy Spirit was wanting to use the Word of God. And that's why it's so vital. It's so vital for us personally and corporately. Make sure that our heart is in the right place to receive, hear and receive the Word of God. Because I am, I'm, I'm afraid too many times in sermons, we hear the word of God, but it doesn't impact us how God desires it to. So, well, that's not my fault. Then is it the word of God? You say, absolutely not. Well, then there's only one other option, right? If it's not the hearer, that's the, the, the problem in receiving the word of God. And it's not the word of God that's the problem. Then it's got to be the speaker. It's got to be the one presenting the word of God or speaking the word of God. Maybe it's the way that the preacher or the, the speaker presents it. That's the problem. But if that's our philosophy or that's our thought process, then what's our explanation for our text? It was Jesus that was speaking. It was God in the flesh speaking to his disciples, and yet they still didn't understand it. They still didn't receive it. 
Back in chapter 9, it was, it was they, they didn't grasp what he said. They didn't understand. It was too hard. It was difficult. And, and, and so they just kind of set it aside and said, hey, I think I'm going to be better than you in the kingdom of God. It was Jesus. And I, I want to say this. There is no comparison, not only with myself, but any human speaker that's ever walked the face of this earth, whether you're talking about the Prince of Preachers, uh, Charles Spurgeon, or a dynamic preacher today that you like to podcast or watch on TV or whatever, there's no comparison to any human speaker to Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. No comparison at all. We, we, we can't even come close to him. And so it's not the word of God. And, and, and if Jesus, his followers, his disciples there on the earth couldn't receive or didn't receive, didn't understand, didn't get it, what he was speaking, then it goes back to what I was saying a while ago. It's the condition of the heart of the receiver of the word of God that's the difference. It's the condition of our heart. I've shared this before too. It can be the same exact service, same exact sermon, and there will be two completely opposite responses to the same exact service, same exact sermon. So the question that has to be asked is this, what's the difference then? If it was the same speaker and there was the same message, the same text, the same service, the same, same, the people were in that service together and yet one person walks out and says, I didn't get a thing from that. The other person comes in tears, broken. God spoke to me today. That, that changed my life. That word of God, that message today spoke to me. God used it to change something in me. What's, what's the difference? Again, it's the receiver of the heart. And we see this all throughout Scripture. We see it in the church today. As I said, we see it in society today. A willingness and a readiness to receive versus an unwillingness and an unreadiness to receive the Word of God. Whether it's in the church, Christians, or whether it's outside of the church, lost people. You see, you see it both. But I have a question for you this morning. And it's this. How do you approach the Word of God? Because I think that the willingness and the readiness to receive the Word of God has to do with the approach to the Word of God. I believe that's the, the vital issue here. When we talk about God's Word impacting us, the, 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 the saying sinking down into our ears, us hearing and receiving and something changing in our life because of the Word of God, I believe it has to do with our approach to the Word of God. How we approach God's word. So the next question is this. Do you approach the word of God personally with readiness in your heart? See, that could affect your corporate approach to it. You say, what does that mean? It means this. If you aren't on a daily basis approaching the word of God with readiness to walk with God, to hear from God, to talk with God and him to talk with you, if you and I aren't on a daily basis personally approaching the Word of God with readiness, then I can promise you this. The chances of us being corporately ready to receive the Word of God in a church service or in a Sunday school class or in a Bible study are going to be a lot less. Because again, our approach to the Word of God determines it all. Do I approach God's Word with a readiness in my daily life, in my personal walk with Jesus Christ? 
Do I approach God's word with a readiness of heart for him to speak to me? Every day that I get up, every morning that I have, every day that I go about my business, am I looking to hear from God's word? Hear from God himself. Because if our hearts aren't ready like that, we may be missing so much in our lives. How about this? How about your desire to receive it? Yeah, it may have a little bit to do with the readiness to receive it in our approach, but what about your desire? See, I, I think sometimes we can come to a place in our life where we do have the overwhelming desire to receive it as much as possible, but I can't get enough of God's Word. But I want to ask you that this morning. Is that where you are? Are you at a place in your life where you're saying, I can't get enough of God's Word? Man, I, I, every day I'm opening it up, I, I read it, and, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm being forced to close it because I, I, I don't want to close it. I don't want to stop reading God's Word. I just want to I, I be saturated with it. I want to continue reading. Uh, it's like an amazing book, but it's way better than that because it's speaking to me. I, 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 I can't get enough of God's Word. Is that where you're at? Are you at a place in your life as a child of God that, you can be satisfied that you've had enough of hearing from God. Again, I, and it's not a boasting thing, but I have to be honest with you, and I, I've been in that place in my Christian life before. Where, you know, whether it's busyness or whether it's uh, so, many thing, you know, so many things in your mind or heart that you can't, focus or whatever and, and and you get your little devotion in and, and i'm not saying anything bad about little devotion i'm just saying, saying in, in the heart set and the mindset that that i kind of get it in and then i'm done and, and i've had enough now i'm going to do my stuff now i'm going to get everything done that i need to get done and like, like like we could have enough of hearing from our god who loves us so much who lives inside of us and, and just wants to walk with us and, and, and is, is preparing a place for us and died on our place. I mean, all these things that we could have enough to say, you know, I've had enough today. I believe that in our lives as Christians, if we're, if we're striving to be in right fellowship with Him, we're striving to walk in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh, I believe there's going to be something in us every single day that longs to hear from Him more, that we think about His Word, that that, that we want more of his word, that, again, we're, we're at that place where, man, I, I've got to stop now because I do have responsibilities that I've got to take care of, but, man, I can't wait to get back into his word. I can't wait to hear from him some more. I believe that's where we should be. And I believe it should pour over into the corporate worship to where we get up and we're excited to get to Sunday school because we can't wait to hear what God's put on the Sunday school teacher's heart. And we can't wait to hear from the Word of God. It's, it, it's a time that we can, throughout the week, we can set it aside and gather corporately and, and hear from God what He's put on somebody's heart. And then gather to, as the body as a whole to worship Him through song. And then again, to be back in that same Word to hear from God. And then Monday morning we get up and it should be the same exact thing. I can't wait to hear from God. I can't wait to be in His Word. I can't wait for Him to speak something in my life that is either going to minister to me and help me, strengthen me, encourage me, or maybe give to me so that I, I can give to someone else. Do you have a desire to receive it? An overwhelming desire to receive as much as possible. 
Because if we do, if we have that overwhelming desire to hear from God, to be in God's word as much as possible, we'll be at that place where we can never get enough. I, I, I can't get enough of it. We want it personally. We want it at every corporate opportunity. Sunday school classes, worship services, Bible studies, men's meetings, ladies' meetings. I want it every time I can. And the added benefit in God's design that comes along with that corporate setting is the fellowship that we have in the Spirit. The fellowship one with another as we're gathered, focusing on Him, focusing on His Word. But let's look on in our text as we move on to the next and final point. It says, and it came to pass, verse 35, that as he was come nigh to Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before him rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, uh, come near he asked him, saying, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight, followed him, glorifying God, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. We could see so many different points. We could see so many different uh, things here. Uh, about how when God heals, he heals completely, he heals immediately. It's not something like we see today in, 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 in crazy movements or anything. It, it's, it, it's not, we could talk about how uh, Jesus, the power in his healing, talk about so many different things. But what God impressed on my heart is this, point number two, is we must be sensitive to needs in the work of God. We must be sensitive to needs in the work of God. I want you to notice a couple of things. First, Jesus, we know, was God. And so he knew this man's needs before this man ever cried out. Uh, Jesus knew where he was. He knew wh what was going to happen. He knew this man was going to do that. He knew he was blind. He knew he was going to ask that he wanted his sight uh, to be restored. Jesus knew all of these things. He knew them. But the second thing is this. Even though this was the case, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? What do you need from me? So the second thing is this. This man expressed his needs before the Lord and the followers of Jesus Christ. So why is that important? I think it's important because the tendency for us even today, for people who are in need, is to internalize our needs. It's just easier to internalize it than, than to tell a, a brother or sister, hey, I'm really struggling. I need a touch from the Lord. I need God to help me. I need God to help my family. Again, not everybody does that. There's some people that absolutely feel that, that, that compelling of the Holy Spirit, feel that in, in, their, in their life when they're going through something difficult. You know what? I need to ask the, the church to pray for me. I need God to touch me. I, I, I've got a Sunday school teacher. I, I need to talk to the pastor. I need to talk to the pastor's wife. I need to talk to uh, this, this friend or this sister or this brother and, and share with them that I need the Lord to touch me. 
I need God's hand. I need God's help. I need to express this. But again, there is a tendency, whether it's through pride, whether it's through um, hard-headedness or, or uh, maybe sometimes even shame, the difficulty, maybe we just don't want to deal with the emotions that may come along with it, but there's so many different reasons why we can have a tendency to internalize when we have a need for God to touch us. This blind man on this road, he didn't do that. He said, what's going on? Is it Jesus of Nazareth passing by? He said, hey, just, you know, leave him alone. He cried out, Jesus, help me. Jesus said, what do you need? I want my sight. What ends up happening whenever there's an internalization of needs, there's not a voicing of it to the Lord, voicing of it to the church. There can be expectations. There can be assumptions. And in turn, the result can be bitterness and resentment. Nobody cares. If they cared, they would do something, they would say something. But did you notice? Jesus, again, God in the flesh, required this man to voice his need. He didn't say, whisper it in my ear. Write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to me. In front of her, what do you need? And again, I think it's just a great illustration of the, 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 the need in the church even. If you're struggling, hey, and we don't, we don't want to talk about baggage or, 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 or anything like We're just talking about, hey, pray for me. I need God's touch. We need God's hand in our family. I'm struggling. This man knew in his heart, based on his trust, and it was made evident by his actions, his words, that Jesus alone could help him, that Jesus could heal him. And, and I want to point, point that out because I want us to remember that ourselves, that there are things in our lives that we, we need Jesus to help us with. We need his healing hand. We need his help, whether it's our individual life, whether it's, whether it's our family or our job. We need him to intervene. We need him to, to do something in our life. We need to have the same type of confidence and assurance that this blind man had. He couldn't even see Jesus. He wasn't walking by sight. He, need, he knew that Jesus is the one that could touch him. And if you're here today and you have been saved by the grace of God, you've been touched by his hand, you know you're redeemed, you're on your way to heaven, then you know the powerful touch of Almighty God. You know what that healing hand feels like because that moment that you said, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. I repent of my sins. I trust you, Jesus, for salvation. Your death on the cross is sufficient. You rose from the dead, I have no doubt. Come in my life, save me, redeem me. I want to be your child from this time forth forevermore. You know in that moment that he reached down and he touched you. He washed away all your sins. He cast them as far as the east is from the west to remember your iniquities no more. He gave you eternal life, eternal life, never to take it back again. You know the power that, that, that touch had in it because it was in that moment that he did all those things that your life was changed. The Bible says so. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are, are come to pass, but old, all things become new. 
You know the healing hand. You know the, the powerful healing touch of Almighty God. And so this morning, if you're in need of his touch, don't sit there and wallow in your need. Don't sit there and struggle in the, in the difficulty. Cry out to Jesus. Just like this blind man, God, help me. Say, I've, I've been doing that. I wonder if this man were asked by Jesus to go dip in the Jordan seven times or to walk around Jericho seven times and then on the seventh time, walk around it seven times. I wonder if Jesus told him to do something that if he would, I will say this, I believe, this is just personally, that he would have. He was in desperate need. But his, his faith was evidenced by his crying out to Jesus. Let your faith be evidenced this morning by crying out to Jesus in your need, crying out to Jesus in your struggle. And say, I've already done it. Do it again. Do it again. We should have noticed also the apostles had the opportunity to be sensitive to this. They had the opportunity. Here's the man. He was in need. He's, he's asking, who is this? He says, Jesus. His, his disciples were thinking, hey, don't mess with him. Don't bother him. He's, we're, his, we're his group, you know. Don't, don't bother the master. But they weren't sensitive to it. They, they could have brought this man to Jesus. They could have seen this man. They could have heard him cry out, hey, who is this? They could have noticed, obviously, that he was blind. And they could have said, hey, this guy's got a need. Let's take him to Jesus. They could have done that. But they didn't do that. They weren't sensitive to his need in the work of God. See, I believe they were motivated by what they were doing versus why they were doing it. And I talked a little bit about that Wednesday night. See, I believe if we, we today even miss the why, then the what really doesn't matter. If we miss why we're even on this earth still as the children of God, if we miss why we gather as a body, why we, we go out and, and share the gospel and hand out tracts and, and, and knock on doors and, and send missionaries and church planners, why we do what we do, if we miss it, the why, then the what really doesn't matter. How many tracts or how many doors or how many missionaries or how many churches or the, the what really do you say? Well, you can just disregard the what. Yeah, if the heart's not right, if, if the why isn't right, if we're doing it so we get a clap on the back, if we're doing it uh, to say we did so, it doesn't matter. I believe it's exactly what Jesus said. If you do this before men to get your applause, then you have your reward. So if we don't get the why, then the what doesn't matter. So the question I have as a close this morning is, what is the church's mission? What is it? It's the Great Commission. That's what he gave to the church. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And so with this power, Jesus gives to his followers, in verse 19, this charge, go ye into all the world, or go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now, that, that phrase right there simply means to make disciples of all nations. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end 
of the world. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 gets very specific in, in, in its command and its charge. It says this, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. That doesn't mean like animals. He's talking about human creatures. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's your job. I'm going to go to the Father and prepare a place for you. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can go there except by me, he says. And until I come again to receive you to myself, this is what I want you to be about. This is your job. This is your mission. This is what it's about. But Lord, we're going to go through difficulties and we're going to go through heartaches and, and we're going to suffer, uh, we're going to go through mourning and, and, and hurt and, and, and all these difficult sicknesses and diseases. We're going to go through all these things and, he's going to, and I believe he would say, I know, and I'm going to be with you. And one day I'm going to wipe away all those tears. One day I'm going to wipe away all that pain, all that sickness. There'll be no more sickness. So while you're there, do what I want you to do. That's the mission. But again, it's, it's very clear what it is, but why? why? Why would we do that then? Why would we do the commission? Why would we do the mission that Jesus gave to his followers? Why would we do that? Why? A command? Well, because God said so. Yeah, I think so. That would be enough. God said to do it, so we should do it. That would be enough. But I believe more than just a command. A commitment. Yes, I believe so. We've, we've committed all to Jesus Christ, right? That's what salvation is. The Bible says, unless a man forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So uh, at salvation, we gave up everything that we wanted to do and embraced everything Christ wanted us to do. So a commitment. Absolutely, yes. That's why we should be doing the Great Commission. A command, a commitment, absolutely. But more than this, I believe. A call. Sure. We've all been called to this. He didn't leave anybody out. Hey, go into all the world, except if you're really not a social person. He didn't say that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature unless you, you don't find it convenient in your schedule. He didn't say that. So a, a call to this. This is what we're all called to. As well as a command, as well as a commitment, it's a call. But why? Why do this mission? Why accomplish this commission that has give, been given to the church today? Command, commitment, call. I believe it, it lies in, in one word. Christ. That's why. That's why we should be doing what, what he's commanded us to do. What we should be committed to do. What we're called to do is because of Christ. And even this encompasses Christ, but because of charity as well. Love. Why? Why, why would I want to go out there and be awkward and talk to somebody about the gospel and I don't even know them? And I'm, why? Because Christ. Because of his love that he gave for us. He served as that perfect example of our why. Jesus Christ did. If we say that we love God, 
then how could we not love those whom he died for? How? Not only that, if we love others the way that we should, with the love that God has put inside of us if we're his children, then how could we not care enough to tell them that God loves them? And furthermore, if we have the love of God in us, how could we not care about those in need of the Savior's touch like this blind man? How could we not care? Whether they be lost and need his saving touch or whether they be saved and need his help and touch. So it boils down to this as we close. Just as the first point pointed out, it boils down to a heart condition. If our heart's not in the right place, the truth is we're not really going to care about anyone else other than ourselves. That's the truth. I've got enough problems. I've got enough struggles. I've got enough things to do. I've got uh, me. I, I can't care about that person that needs Jesus' touch. I don't have time to worry about someone else's problems. I mean, look at my life. Look at all the problems I'm dealing with. We won't care about God's helping or blessing anyone other than ourselves. I need God to touch my life. I don't really care about them touching their life. I need him to touch my circumstances. Even if that person's crying out for him. We won't be able to see others' needs be beyond our own needs. Even if their needs are obvious, like this blind man, his need was obvious. We won't be looking for others who may need Jesus even if we work right next to them five days a week. Even if we go home and pull our car in the driveway right next to them, we won't be looking for their need of Jesus. Again, in Jesus' example here, we see he had much to be burdened about. He just told them, I'm gonna go to, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be treated badly. I'm going to be spit upon. I'm going to be crucified. He had a lot to, to be concerned about himself with. He, he could have been saying, you know what, we're here in Jericho, but we got to get to Jerusalem. Let's just get this thing over with. I mean, I, I'm going to be dying for the sins of the whole world. I don't have time to stop for this man who's crying out who's been blind. Jesus could have done that. Matter of fact, his disciples, even though they didn't understand, that's kind of their mindset. Hey, leave him alone. He doesn't have time for you. You're a blind beggar. Again, he just told them what he was going to go through. And he knew they were missing the point of it all. He knew that they would all forsake him, even his own followers. He knew all those things. Yet in this moment, we see in the example of our Savior, him looking beyond himself, him looking beyond what he was going to go through once again and being sensitive to this man's need who cried out to him. And my desire is that I would learn from this and that you would learn from this. See, so we all have things going on for the most part. We could go around this room and probably be here all day and all night sharing the things that we're going through in our lives. But if we remember why we're here, and we're still going through those things. If we remember why we're still doing what we're doing for the Lord, then I think that we too can look beyond ourselves, look beyond what we're going through, and be sensitive to the needs of others. And so how about you this morning? Is your heart condition off? 
Are you focused only on you? Are you focused only on your troubles? Only on God helping you and touching you and, and blessing you? Are you only thinking about you? And I want to challenge you this morning as we open up the invitation to come and bow your knee or pray there at your seat and ask him to help you have the right heart to hear and receive the word of God and to be sensitive to the needs of others around you as you do the work of God. And then I want to challenge you beyond that to go this week and not only hear it this morning, but just as we saw in the quote, let it be retentive. Let it stay with you. Go, go, go tomorrow and say, God, I want to hear from you today. I want to hear from your word. God, let me see the needs of others around me and help me be sensitive to them as I serve you in your work. So I want to challenge you to respond now, but also keep it with you and respond later. The heads bowed and the eyes closed. I want to ask you to stand as you do that. If there's someone here that has never given their life to Jesus Christ, you didn't realize that he came to this earth, God came to this earth, lived a sinless life because he loved you so much. Maybe you didn't realize he came and he went through all these bad things, died on the cross, shed his blood to pay for your sin. Maybe you didn't realize that. You realize he was buried after he was crucified, he rose again. And the Bible says, if any man calls upon the name of the Lord, he'll be saved. If you don't realize that, I want to invite you this morning to come. We'll have two ministers down here, and they can show you even more out of God's word what it says about being saved, about knowing that heaven's going to be your eternal home. <coughs> don't, don't wait. Don't pass this opportunity up. And Christian, let's make sure that our heart's in the right spot. Let's make sure that our heart is ready to receive the word of God. And that we're being sensitive to the needs of others in the work of God. And if it's not, let's take this opportunity to, to talk to the Lord about it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. I ask you to move now in this invitation, Lord. We're so thankful that you've given us your word. So thankful that we can be encouraged and strengthened and convicted and challenged in your word. Lord, help us to realize that there's nothing wrong with your word. There's nothing wrong with someone sharing it, Lord. If we don't receive your word, if we don't hear and receive it in the right way, it's, it's us that's the problem. And God, I pray you would start with me and that you would move throughout this entire congregation. Lord, help us to make sure that our hearts are wet, ready and willing to receive your word every day. And God, help us to be sensitive to the needs of others. I ask you to move now. Help us respond rightly. In Jesus' name, amen.